Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. It's good to see you this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18 is where we're going to be this morning. I want to just remind you, uh, we as of this morning, we only had seven spots left for our kids' camp this coming Saturday. So if you have a young person rising kindergarten to fifth grade, or if you have a friend, you know, neighbors have kids and you want to sign them up, make sure you email Rebecca Peters and go on our app and sign up for the kids camp this, uh, this Saturday. It's going to be an amazing time. Rebecca's uh, done a, a, a great job of, of making sure that your kids are going to hear the gospel and uh, learn something about the, the word of God and, and Jesus. And, and so I hope that you'll make that a priority for you and your family. Well, one of the things I, I know about uh, the younger generation, there's a lot of generational differences, but as I watch my kids and see how they do things differently, one of the things I know about young people is they watch YouTube a lot. And YouTube is one of those things, like they, they watch YouTube the way we as older people used to watch our television shows on regular cable television. And, uh, you know, my, my children have a bunch of YouTubers that they watch, and there's this one YouTuber that my one son likes, and what he does is he has these videos that restore old things. And so, um, and there's no, there's no words. He just, he has this video camera on his thing and he's just, you know, take, there's this object that's decrepit or rusty or broken. And he just, you know, piece by piece, moment by moment, takes it apart, polishes it, cleans it, gets the right parts working. And, and I remember he did this with like a, a, a compass of an old ship. And my favorite thing that he did was he took an old Nintendo entertainment system that was just like you could worth the 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 garbage, and he just re, refinished that. And there's something about that. Again, millions of people are watching this. That they're watching someone fix something, and and why is that? The reason why these these videos, these shows that you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, all the rage in the mid 2000s was these extreme makeovers, extreme home makeover, and they would take people and make them over. And and there's something about us that our hearts resonate with things that are broken and that are made new again, isn't it? That there's something in us, we just love seeing things that are broken down, rusty, and being turned into beauty. Um, you know, even as a testimony that was given this morning, the idea of from, from ashes to beauty is something that is so desirable to us. And I, the reason why I think that is, is because you and I have this sense in us that we are broken. That inside each, of, each one of us, there's things a part of our lives that we're saying, man, this is something I want to change. And obviously, we, we study the gospel, and as, we follow, as we've been following our study in the book of Galatians, we've learned that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is about taking people who are sinners and making them into new creations, creating a, or, or giving us a new relationship, that we are declared righteous, the word justification. And so, as we've been studying this and reading this, you know, we get to the point in this study in the, in the book of Galatians where Paul has laid out the argument how it's the gospel that saves us. And now he's going to be talking about how it's the gospel that changes us and that transforms us. And it, just like the law couldn't save us, the law also cannot change you either. And so this idea, he's going to bring in this idea... He, uh, Pastor Dan did a great job two weeks ago talking about how we have this freedom in Christ. And this freedom in Christ now is an opportunity for our flesh to come in and mess things up. And so what Paul says, you don't need a list of 
10 rules and there's nothing wrong with rules. There's nothing, but you don't need them to obey Jesus. What you need is the Spirit of God. And so inside of every single one of us is this desire to be different. This desire to say, listen, I've got problems, I've got pain, I've got sin, I've got addictions, I've got these things in my life that I'm trying to get over. And inside every single one of us, we want to believe that change and transformation is possible for you and I. And I think that for many of us, when, when, I, when people come see me many times in my office and even the struggles in my own life, that we find ourselves in places that, that are, are ruts spiritually. And what I have found is that there's two great lies that I believe people believe today about themselves or about God. And these are the lies. Number one is that change, transformation, just isn't a priority for them. Whether it's just kind of like, hey, you know what, Ben, I'm, you know, I'm a, out of a one to 10 Christian, I'm a 6.5. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because you know what? I got a lot of jerky threes around me. And I feel really good about where I'm doing right now, you know? And so it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. And, or just, you know, I, yeah, I just, it's my parents bring me here. And I don't really, you know, I'm here at church because my parents want me to. Just leave me alone, right? Or I'm here because my spouse wants me here, but, but I'm okay with where I'm at. In transformation, the work of God inside of you to change you just isn't a priority. And maybe that's you this morning. You're sitting here this morning, you're saying, it's just not a priority. Or maybe the, the other lie that we believe is, listen, I just don't believe that change is possible. Ben, you don't understand my life. You don't understand the things that I've gone through. I, yes, there's things that God has saved me. Yes, he has changed me in some ways, but there are certain sins, Ben, I just have never been able to overcome. There's certain sins, there's certain issues that I just, I've never been able to feel the freedom of God and the power of God it talks about in the Bible. I've gone to Bible studies. I've gone to church. I've done every Beth Moore series you could possibly do. And it's still, I'm still struggling, right? And what is it about change that is so hard? And so, so maybe that's you this morning, that you just believe that there's either something wrong with you or there's something wrong with God. But, you know, change just isn't possible for me. I, this is just going to be my struggle, and I'm going to have to live with it. And what we're going to find, I believe, what the Word of God teaches us is that that's, those two lies are the things that keep us from experiencing the fullness of the life and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hey, okay, guys, this is 11 o'clock, guys. you got to sleep in earlier, okay? These lies keep us from experiencing the fullness of Christ. Amen? I mean, we've got to ask ourselves, do we want to change? Or am I content and satisfied and just, or maybe content's the wrong word. Maybe I'm complacent in where I'm at. Or I've just given up. I'm just tired, Ben. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of always trying to change this part of my life and then failing. I just can't take failure again. Listen, I want, to, I want you to leave here this morning with a sense of the promises and the power of the Spirit of God in your life to change you. I don't, I, yes, I know all of us have stories. In every single one of us in this room, there are things in our lives that we want to change. We need to change. But what God gives us this morning in his word is a promise and a guarantee and a way and a path to move forward. 
And so as we read this morning, as Melanie read the scripture this morning in Ephesians 5, 16 through 18, what you'll see is you're, there's these powers, these, these act, activators in our life between the flesh and the spirit. And, and the, if I could summarize the main idea of the text this morning, it's this, that there's no transformation without conflict. There's no transformation without conflict. So whether you believe that change is just isn't a priority for you or that you don't believe it's possible for you, I guarantee you, you've, you've come to that conclusion because in the process of change and in the process of transformation, you hit a wall or you just kind of got complacent and said, I'm done changing. I'm done moving. I'm done, I'm done trying. And one of the things that we have to ask ourselves, is that, the, is that what God wants for you? Is that what you want for yourself? Because if we stay stuck, we're going to miss out on the power of God in our lives. There is no transformation without conflict. And if you want to change, and if you want to be, see the fullness of the power of Christ in your life, that means that you've got to say, you know what? I'm going to move forward no matter how hard it is. Because change is difficult. Change is hard. What, what the Bible teaches us is that the moment of salvation, we read this, we've studied this in the book of Galatians already, that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All right? You have been made new. Last week, if you were here for Josh and his sermon, it was a phenomenal sermon about, about heaven and about the afterlife, new heavens and new earth. And what we learned about last week was that this idea of, of heaven, that, all, that the old has passed away, that all things are new. There's no more any sin. There's no more pain. There's no more mourning. But right now, we live in between this. I'm a new creation. And over here one day, when all things are made new, that we are in this in-between struggle. And I, there's another passage of scripture I love in 2 Corinthians 4 when it says that we are, we are being changed and transformed from one degree of glory to the next. One degree. Think about that. One degree at a time. That the, that the transformation of God's work in your life is not just this, bam, everything's ready. You know, instant microwave sanctification, I'm like Jesus. No, it is a slow process. And if we give up when it gets hard and we give up when the conflict is, is there, then we're going to miss out on the, the, the fullness of what God wants for us to live in our lives. And so I want us to understand this conflict this morning because this conflict maybe has made you want to give up or just stay complacent. And this conflict, we're going to look at three things. First of all, we're going to look at the players within the conflict. Then we're going to look at the nature of the conflict and then the power within the conflict. The players in the conflict, the nature of the conflict, and then the power within the conflict. So let's look again at this scripture in verses 16 and 17. It says this, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Okay, so who are the... We just read it. Who are the players in this conflict? The spirit and the flesh. That the Bible is very clear that we have these, these powers inside of us. And if we don't understand the role and the, the function of these players, then we will not understand how to operate and, and a partner with them. 
And so the first thing that we see here is that we have the Spirit of God with us. The Bible teaches Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Um, you know, you don't have to turn there, but, but earlier on in, in, uh, it says this in Galatians 3, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Right? So he's already introduced this idea that of the Spirit of God coming into our lives. And so we've got the Holy Spirit. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, one of the things we do is we have the guarantee of the Spirit of God working in us. The Spirit is always working. And, and the best definition I can give you of the Holy Spirit is this. And I got this from a, a theologian. He said, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. Write that down. The, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in your life. What that means, there's two things, that, two parts of what we're seeing about the Holy Spirit that the Bible makes very clear. That there is a relationship, there's an experience that God wants us to have. He says there in verse 16, walk in the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. This idea that we are to be walking with Him. There is a relationship that with the Holy Spirit that we need to have. But it's also a supernatural experience. It's His empowering presence. That we see this ever since the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 3, we see God wanting to come alongside man and dwell with him. In fact, we see that in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 that it says, and finally the dwelling place of God is with men. All along God's desire, God has given you the Holy Spirit because he loves you and wants to be with you. And so what we see God doing in his spirit all throughout the scriptures, is that we see him, the Spirit of God is working continually. First, he works to bring conviction. We read about this when Jesus is, is talking to his disciples in the upper room, and there's that, that upper room discourse between John 14 and 17, and he tells them, it's good that I'm going away because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going he's gonna to bring you into the fullness of truth, and he says something to them, that the Holy Spirit will bring them into conviction. This idea of conviction is this, that that the Spirit of God works in us to, to feel the weight and the, 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 the grossness of sin. That if you at any point in your life have said, you know what, man, I, what I did and my, my sin against God, man, I feel horrible about that. That, that, that. that offense against God, if you felt the guilt, if you felt the shame, one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing is, is he's activating your conscience to be like, hey, what you did was wrong. That's what the Spirit of God does. But he doesn't just stop there because then it says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, that the Holy Spirit regenerates us. That new creation that God makes us into, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't just end right there. I feel like an information, in, 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 you know, uh, an infomercial right now. But there's more, right? The Holy Spirit does more than just convict and regenerate. It says he indwells in us. The Bible says that, he, that our bodies literally become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he seals us for salvation. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, is working inside of us. Listen, the Spirit of God, if we're going to understand the players within this, this conflict, we got to understand the Holy Spirit we got to understand the fullness of what God has given to us, his empowering presence in our lives. And the question I have for you is this, what kind of relationship do you have with the Holy Spirit? What kind of relationship do you have with him? Because if he is God's empowering presence, that means there should be evidence. 
There should be fruit. That's going to be in two weeks. There should be fruit in our lives that the Holy Spirit is working and producing in us. And so what I think happens for many of us as Christians is we have this frustrating relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, what I think happens is for, for, for many of us, we kind of fall into two ditches with the Holy Spirit. And the first ditch is we, we only want to make the Holy Spirit a theological understanding. Like, I will understand, like, all the things, Ben, you're talking about, the conviction, the, you know, the regeneration, the indwelling, the, you know, I, I, I want to understand the fullness of, of what the Holy Spirit does. And what we do is that our experience with the Holy Spirit is purely intellectual and purely theological. Now, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with learning about the Holy Spirit, but that's, if that is your only experience with the Holy Spirit, you are missing out. That is a perversion of what God wants you to relate to the Holy Spirit with. But I think the other ditch is just as dangerous, and it's the ditch of, man, I just want, I just want this supernatural experience with God, and so everything's about experience, and everything's about supernatural. And, and listen, does God want you to have a supernatural experience with him? Absolutely, but if you divorce that desire for supernatural from the word of God, you've got a bunch of hippy-dippy baloney stuff going on, Okay. It, is, it gets really weird and mushy and gushy. And you get, you know, my dad used to call them spooky Christians. You know, spooky Christians are like, oh, the door shut behind me, man. It's the Holy Spirit, you know. And the Holy Spirit's telling me to do stuff. And, and you, you know, it's just your whims and you're blaming everything on the Holy Spirit, even though the Spirit of God didn't tell you to, you know, sell your business. Or maybe he did. People that don't ground their lives in the Word of God and it's only about experience are not grounded. And then they kind of make a mess and blame the Holy Spirit on things that, they, that they're doing. And what we need is both. We need to be tethered to both. And the problem with both sides, either I just want theological understanding or I just want an experience, but I want it on my terms, is that both of them want control. You realize that? Both of them are saying, I want the Holy Spirit, but I still want to be in control. And that's not how the Holy Spirit works. So imagine, imagine this. Imagine uh, a house, okay? Imagine you're going to buy a house and this house is is really, it's a fixer-upper, okay? It is, it is the, the lawn is overgrown, the bushes and the shrubs are out of control, weeds are growing up in the cracks of every single cement, pavement, whatever. It's just, it's decrepit out, out there. And you're like, man, this is bad. And you pull in and you, you unlock the door, you open the door, and it just, there are stains and there are holes and there are smells, but this is the house that Jesus just bought. And this house is your life. Okay? This house is your... When Jesus buys you, purchases you with his blood, this house is now his. But there's a lot... So what... what Jesus says, all right, I bought this house with my blood. There, it looks messy, right? But Holy Spirit, I want you to come. Come into this house, and I want you to clean this up. And so the Holy Spirit's like, all right, this is what I, this is what I do. I fix up things, I clean things, I make all things new. And the Holy Spirit comes in and your flesh is just standing there. Okay, I see what you I see what we're doing here. And so you're, you know, you know, you've got this internal of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's clean this up, let's fix this. And, and then your flesh is like, I don't like that change. I don't like you. And, and eventually your Holy Spirit, the, the, the flesh is the Holy Spirit's like, all right, I want to go in this room. Hey, 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 hey. You leave that room alone. Right? That room is my room. 
And so you've got this constant conflict between the Holy Spirit and the flesh that's saying, no, I want to design. I want, I want to keep this the way it is, or I want to change this. That's what's going on inside of you. You have this Holy Spirit that's, that's working in you, and he's coming in there to renovate everything. And your flesh is standing there and saying, uh-uh. I, 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 don't, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're doing. I, I, I don't want to change that. I want this instead. And so if we do not understand what these players are wanting, what we're going to realize is we've got to make a decision of who's going to get control. Now, here's the thing. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess whose body and your will and your flesh is? That's your Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. He's my, yes, you can't just say, Jesus, I want you to save me and then leave me alone. That's, that, that's not part of the deal. Because when tr- Jesus Christ saves you, he doesn't just give you a new relationship, he makes you a new creation. He's saying, I'm coming into your life to change you, to, to, to re- renew all things in you. But if we put up this idea of, uh, yeah, you can only come this far, that's where the conflict comes. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna get there. It might take me 25 years, but I will win. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is coming to your life to change everything. And we've got to make, this is the decision we've got to make, okay? Who, who do you want to be in control of your life? Who do you want to be in charge of that house that is your life? Do you want to be your flesh or do you want to be the Spirit? And, and, the, and the, the danger comes is when we're like, okay, I will give you the Holy Spirit certain areas and certain rooms, but these rooms are mine. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. If you're going to give the keys and the control of the Holy Spirit, you got to give him access to everything. And that leads us to our next point, and that is the nature of the conflict. The nature of the conflict. Look again what it says in verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other that keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Listen, the nature of this conflict comes down to this. There is a battle of desires inside of you at all times. There's a desire of the flesh that wants the things that the flesh wants. And there's the things that the Spirit wants that, the, that, the, that God wants. In, inside of you, every single day, when that alarm goes off and your feet hit the ground, even before your feet hit the ground, the, either the flesh or the Spirit is working to say, keep sleeping or get up. Okay? That's what the Spirit of God's, that's what's happening. At every, there, there are probably a million forks in the road that you're going to have between what the flesh wants and what the Spirit wants. This is why Paul's saying, this is why Paul's focus is the Spirit. He's saying, listen, I, I, it's, it's not about the rules, it's not about the law. I can, I can write for you a thousand rules of how to live and please God, but it still wouldn't be enough. Because what you need more than anything is you need the Holy Spirit inside of your life to change you so that when there's a fork in the road and your flesh says, go this way, the Spirit of God takes you this way to transform you, to change you. There's this conflict, and we've got to understand this conflict. It has to do with desires. And here's what God does many times in our life. In order to expose our desires of the flesh, he will put people or circumstances in your life that will show you what you really want. 
See, it's really, it's really easy to come in here on a Sunday morning and be like, oh, the Spirit of God is working. I feel the Spirit, great music. I mean, the Word of God's being preached, good fellowship, and we just feel the Spirit. But man, I'll tell you what, Wednesday when I'm coming home after a long day's work, a lot of conflict, bad traffic, complaining kids, and I'll tell you what, feels a lot fleshly going on. And what we've got to ask ourselves is, where, we, if I want the Spirit to have control, if we're going to yield control of the Spirit, I'm yielding control of the Spirit in all places, in all times. That these desires are at work against each other. They're going to be working constantly, and they never stop. They never stop. In, in, in fact, one of the things that, that I love in verse 17, it talks about there are actually two different kinds of desires here. There are two different kinds of desires. Look at verse 17. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Circle that word desires right there. That is, that is, the, that is the Greek word epithumeo. Epithumeo is basically this idea of, of the natural emotional impulses. It's, it, the word literally means with passion or in passion. It's this, it's this drive of I'm feeling it, these urges. It's a very urge-based desire. And sometimes we have these urges that we just can't control. But, but, there's also another kind of desire in here. And if you will skip down to the last part of verse 17, he says, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Circle that word want. That's a different Greek word. And it's the word, it's another word for desire, but it's the Greek word thelo. And thelo is a different idea. It's a purposeful desire. It's, a, it's almost a desire that's strategic in a way. And so what, what, God's, what the Word of God is saying, what Paul is saying is the Spirit of God is working to make sure that whether it's this, you, this grand mastermind plan that you have or just the urges that you have, that the Spirit of God is going to confront you and say, hey, that needs to change. For example, you could have a really good desire, a really good urge to say, I want my children to be obedient. I want my children to obey God's Word. That is a wonderful desire if you want your kids to live according to God's word. But here's the problem. If your fellow, if your desire for that desire is because you want people to look at you and say, oh, you're just the best Christian parent. I just, your kids are so wonderful. Man, you've done a wonderful. See, if your, if your motivation for that good desire is either fear or pride, guess what? That's of the flesh. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to us as Christians is we have these desires that even may be good. Listen, next week when, when Dan's going to be preaching, he's got the works of the flesh passage, all the bad stuff, right? That's easy to see. It's easy to spot. And I know we live in a world today that wants to glorify some of these things, but, but the flesh is so tricky that many times what the flesh will do is it will want really good things for really bad reasons. And the Spirit of God's like, mm, I got to work on that. I'm going to, I want that too. You see, what the, our flesh is exposed when we want something really good. Think about the thing that you want in your life that is really good right now. But because it is not happening in your timing or in your way, but instead in God's timing and God's way, you are really ticked off. And you're grumpy and you're angry. And you're, you're pouting, you know, God, you're just you know, making life easy. I want this good thing. What? Ah, you see, why do you, why do you want that good thing? That might be the flesh working. And the, listen, the flesh is so tricky. 
Even the moment that the Holy Spirit begins having control and is working, the flesh wants to grab the broom and says, see what I've done, right? I'll give you an example in my own life, being a little vulnerable here. Um, Last year, uh, I got a call from someone who said, hey, you know, this this camp and conference center up in uh, Michigan, which we just came back from, spoke at Lake Ann Camp two weeks ago with my dad, and uh, he said, hey, I, I'd love for you to preach at this men's, men's retreat, this men's conference. And I was like, you know, let me pray about it. Talked it over with Liz, and it, I believe God was opening this door for me to do it. And, and I, was, I was hesitant to do this only because I knew this was going to be a battle within me of my flesh, and for this reason. My dad is very well known up there. He's very well known in certain parts of of. of of the United States. And so when I go into places where my dad is well known, it's always like, oh, you're Ken Rudolph's son. And your dad is awesome. I hope you are too. And so you feel this, oh no, I've got this. I'm going to be walking into a group of, you know, hundreds of men who are going to be telling me, you better be as good as your dad, right? There's that feeling, and, and for you know, and so I, I had that those those fear and the fear and the pride was working inside of me. The fear of oh, I don't want to mess up, or the pride of I'll show them right, and the fear and the pride of the flesh are always working. And when the fear and the pride and the flesh are working, what happens is when when pride is working, you're getting ahead of the Holy Spirit, and when fear is working, you're way behind the Holy Spirit. But you're not walking. The problem is you're not walking with the Holy Spirit. And so I just had to be so consciously aware of the way the flesh was working in my life. And so over the summer, as God was working in me, I'm like, all right, God, no, I want to partner with you. And I just had the most beautiful time preparing these sermons and going up there. And every single time someone says something stupid to me, like, I hope you're as good as your dad, I'd be like, the Lord bless you, you know. And I just, I just partnered with, this whole, with the Holy Spirit all weekend long, preached four times. And it was just, I, I got to see God work and move. And about a month later, the, the, the camp director calls me and says, man, we just got such great feedback. We want to have you come back next year. And I was like, well, let me pray about it. Talk to Liz about it. We prayed about it. I'm like, all right, I think God wants me to do it again. But now, what's happening? I had a great Holy Spirit moment. And now, you know what's creeping in again? Well, maybe I can do even better this year. Or, oh, no, I did so well. I can't do as good. You see how fear and pride work? You see how the flesh is always working. And, and, and what happens is the moment the Holy Spirit has, has taken control and the Holy Spirit's working to produce these things, the flesh wants to take over and the flesh is going to push back and to say, hey, 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 we can't go, we can't trust that much. We can't go that far. And you've got to be so aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing and so aware of what the flesh is doing. I want want to show you a couple slides on on the screen of of just the ways in which it describes what the desires of the flesh do inside of us. The first slide is this. Look at all these things, what the desires of the flesh do. First of all, it chokes the word. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the seed and the sowers, how the the desires of our flesh literally choke out our desire to read and to study God's word. The, The next thing that the flesh does, it leads us to sin. So that, that we want to, to do the things that, that, that we shouldn't do. It leads us astray from the path that God wants us on. It enslaves us. The flesh wants to keep us enslaved to our desires. It lures us and entices us to sin. And it wages war against your soul. 
One of the things that you've got to know about your flesh is that your flesh will never take a day off. Okay? It will never take a day off. It will never, it might press, no, it's not even going to press pause here at church. Because even in church, even in these environments, the flesh is saying, well, I didn't like that song. Or did you see how they treated me? Right? It's about you. You see, the flesh never takes time off. But notice what's happening. What's common in all of those things is that there's this idea that the flesh is pulling you. The flesh is working on you, and it's dragging you to places that you that in your spirit, in your soul, you're saying, I don't want to do this. Listen, a great passage of Scripture to study later on uh, is Romans chapter 7 and 8. Romans chapter 7 and 8, write those down. Read those passages this week because Romans 7 and 8 deals with the fullness of the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And so in Romans chapter 7 talks about this idea of, you know, I don't, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want. It's just this constant conflict inside of me. And, and so we've got to understand that we've got this flesh that's going to lead us along if we let it. Okay? If we let it. But there's also another group of passages of scripture that God gives to us on how to deal with the flesh. And this list is also very powerful because look what it says. Again, Romans 6, 12, don't let them lead you. you. You have the ability to say no to the flesh, that you can put on Christ, walk by the Spirit, put off the old self, put the desires of the flesh to death, flee from them. There's this idea, here's the word, as much as this idea of control, we've got to yield control to the Holy Spirit. The second word I want you to understand is there has to be intentionality. In this conflict between the Spirit and the flesh, you must be intentional. If you are not intentional, your flesh will just drag you along and it will take you places where you do not want to go. How many times have you said, all right, I'm going to work on this sin. I'm going to change this about me. I don't, I'm, I'm a fearful person. I'm an angry person. I'm a lustful person. And you've got these sins and these problems, these issues. And, and so you start working on it and you go, you're good for about two weeks and then pfft, just fall and you just, oh, I failed. Oh, oh, God's, God's just not powerful enough, right? And you start doubting God's power. And you, God, there's something wrong with your Holy Spirit. He's not working. No, maybe what has happened is you've stopped being, walk by the Spirit. Be intentional. You've got to continually walk and walk at every single day, at every single moment, you've got to choose the Spirit. That the Spirit of God is saying, listen, I don't care where you are or what you're doing, that, that this is, there's no list of rules that can change you, that you've got to submit to me every moment of every day. And there might be a thousand decisions you make in a day that you've got to invite the Holy Spirit into. But that's the conflict that's going on. You're never in neutral. You are never in neutral. You're either flesh is going to work or the spirit is going to work. And that's your choice. But you've got to be intentional saying, I'm not going to let the flesh lead me. I'm going to let the spirit lead me. And that leads us to the last point, and that is the power within the conflict. The power within the conflict. So notice 
This, verse 16 and 17, what have we been talking about? The flesh and the spirit. Those are the players that, were, that are in here. And there's this, the nature of the conflict, this, it's a battle of desire. Whose desires are going to win? Whose desires are you going to be intentional about? But then look at verse 18. Paul throws this, I mean, if you were going to write verse 18, I would not have said this. But look what he says. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Paul, you're just talking about flesh and spirit, or flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, the contrary, uh, battling each other. And then he says, if, if you're led by the spirit, you're not, I would think, conclude the thought, Paul, talk about the flesh. But he doesn't talk about the flesh. Why does Paul not bring up the flesh here? He brings up the law. What is Paul doing? The reason why Paul brings up the law is because he is telling, he's reminding us of something. That in, even in our flesh, our flesh can want to do the right things. Our flesh, we can use our flesh to say, you know what? I'm going to keep this list of rules. And let me tell you something. Here's the, here's the power of the human will, okay? And we love these stories. We love stories of, of people that, you know, I was, I was 300 pounds and, I was, and I, was a, I was a homeless person. And now I'm a millionaire who runs 100-mile races. Like, we love stories like that, Okay? We love the stories of, of the people who are down and out and then they made something. Like there's just something about them that they're fascinating us. Again, why? Because we want to believe that change is possible for us. But let me say something. You can change your life with the flesh. You can. If you've got sin in your life that you don't want, you can actually change your life according to your own power to overcome it. But here's the problem. The problem is if you do it in your own power and not the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just going to exchange one sin for another. Do you realize that? You'll exchange one sin that looks really ugly on the outside to a sin that looks really beautiful on the outside. But they're both sins, and they're both opposed to the Spirit. But one of the things we've got to do is, is realize there's no list, there's no rules, there's no, there's no amount of, you know, discipline that we can do to change, to truly transform our hearts. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is way more interested in, in changing what's internal than external. Now, the external is going to come, but we want God change the outside first, like mow the grass, trim the bushes. Like, I want people to think that, like, this is not where homeless people live. But Holy Spirit's like, we'll get to the outside, but I got to get to your heart first. I, I want that inner room. I want the places inside of you that, that you don't like to, to bring up. No, I want that part. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, he comes in and he, and he takes over and he says, okay, let's clean this up. And he cleans up everything and, and the house and everything looks really good. And the moment everything looks really good and you're feeling really good about yourself, you're like, oh, this is, I, things are coming together. And the Holy Spirit goes, just wait. <sighs> There's a whole nother floor here we got to clean up. <laughs> You're like, good thing the Holy Spirit didn't show me this before. I would have felt overwhelmed. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Then you realize it's not a one-story house anymore. Your, your life is not a one-story house. It's a 10-story building. And he's going room to room, floor to floor, making sure that your life reflects Jesus Christ. That's what he does. He's always working. But one of the things you've got to understand about the power of the Spirit is the power of the Spirit is greater than the flesh. Look again in verse 16. Verse 16. But I say, walk 
by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you realize what Paul is saying here? Do you, do you get the, the, the principle? That, do you get the power? Do you get the promise? What Paul is saying here is, yes, you've got these complete, competing desires. You've got to be aware of what the Spirit wants to do and what the flesh wants to do. And you've got, to, you've got to really be intentional with these desires. But here's what you've got to believe. You've got to believe that when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, that he has the power to say no to the flesh, and the flesh has to succumb to it. Do you realize that? Many times in our lives, because of our struggles, and I get it, some of the struggles that, we've had, that I've had in my own life are so, they're so deep and they're so great. But can I tell you something? That there's never any fleshly desire that the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, 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 I don't know what to do with that. Like, that's really bad. No, the Holy Spirit can come into any room, any problem, any sin, any addiction, and he's like, yeah, I can do that. Do you, you ever meet someone who's in construction or, or, or works with their hands and, and you want to do something really big and, you know, they just kind of look at him like, yeah, we can do that. You, like, you can do that? Listen, the Holy Spirit, there's no, there's no issue. There's no room in, in your house. So you're like, that's too ugly. That's just too messed up. The Holy Spirit cannot come into and say, yeah, I have a vision for what this could look like. Now, you just got to get out of the way. You got to let me do the work. And there's some things you're going to have to change. There's some things that you're going to have to confront. There's some things you're going to have to say. There's some things you're going to have to do. There's some things you're going to have to repent of. There's some things you're going to have to forgive. And there's some things I want you to learn. But if you give me the keys to this room and you let me in and spend time with you here, I can fix this. See, the power of God working in you. If you are a believer and are a child of God, you have the power of God at your disposal. There's nothing. There's, there's no problem. There's no sin. There's no, there's no obstacle that's too great for you. And what some of you need to believe is in the power of the Holy Spirit to change your life. You just need to submit to him. I want to show you a list of powers that, that the, I, I sh I've shared this list with you before, and I want to share it with you again. But we have these powers in us, working in us continually. We have the name of Jesus. That name of Jesus has power and authority. We have the blood of Jesus, praying the blood of Jesus Christ over offenses and over sins and over, over, past, over our past. But the power of Jesus is, is, or the blood of Jesus is powerful. We have the resurrection of Jesus. This is one of these powers that the Holy Spirit applies to our life. We have the word of God. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's the sword of the spirit. It's the, it's the, it's the power by which Satan, that Jesus repelled Satan, right? We have the power of prayer. Listen, the reason why we have a prayer meeting at 9.15 every Sunday morning is we believe there's power that happens in there. And we want people to pray so that there's power that happens in here and in our lives. But prayer changes things. And it's this active tool that God gives to us. And then we have the love of God. This is a power that, that when we understand the fullness of the love of God working in us, that, that changes our mindset. That all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not working to achieve God's love. I'm working from a state of love. So that all these things that are at work inside of me, I can have this confidence. Listen, I want you to have confidence. And not just me. God wants you to have confidence that the Spirit of God is always working. 
He's always working. He never stops. Listen, God has a vision for your life. Yeah, you might have an understanding of things that need to change. You might have some ideas, yeah, I need to clean this up, and yeah, I need to get better here, and yeah, I need to change this. But let me tell you something. That's nothing compared to what the Holy Spirit and God the Father and God the Son, when they look at your life, they say, I know exactly what they could be. They need to yield to me, though. They got to be intentional with walking by the Spirit. And they got to believe that the power that's working in them is greater than the powers working in the world, greater than the powers of Satan, greater than the powers of the flesh. That you have a power inside of you that has raised Jesus from the dead, and there's nothing that he cannot do in your life. That's what you've got to believe. You've got to walk out of here with gospel confidence. No matter what you're facing when you leave this room, God can change it. He can transform your life. Stop giving up. Stop being afraid of failure. Stop letting pride get in your way. Yield the control to the Holy Spirit and see what he can do. I got five, five brief applications and then we're done. I want to give you these five simple steps because these five simple steps are things that I believe they've helped me in my past and I believe that they can help you. And, you know, in my past, you know, in the past uh, few years, one of the things I've been really attacking in my life is, um, you know, I've got these issues in my life, just like those layers in the house. You know, I've got, I've, I've had multiple layers that the, the God has worked in me. And the layer that he's working in me right now is the layer of fear. And I've, I've been attacking this issue of fear in my life for probably three or four years now. And, and God is doing an amazing work. And, and what I've learned is there's this process that if I'm, if I'm walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, then I will see the things and the changes in my life that, that I've always desired to see. And it's, and it's sometimes slow, and sometimes it's bumpy, and sometimes it doesn't happen the way I want it to or as quick as I want it to. But listen, God is faithful. One degree of glory to the next. So here's the five things. Number one. Consciously invite the Holy Spirit daily to take complete control over your heart, your mind, your body, and your will. Okay? I want you to consciously do that. Consciously invite. This is the idea of, of what we talked about with this idea of yielding control and being intentional. That you've got to say when, when, you, when your eyes pop open and before your heat, feet hit the, hit the ground, you're saying, Holy Spirit... I need you with me today. I need you to make me aware of my flesh. I need you to be present and empower me today to choose what's right and not what's wrong. Help me to live for your glory and not mine. Like you've got to have that kind of intentionality. There's a great prayer that I've printed out. It's on tables when you leave the, leave the, the, the room this morning. Maybe you grabbed it when you're walking in. It's a prayer written by uh, John Eldridge. And again, whenever I name use certain people, just know this, like I, there are certain things that John Eldridge says and does I don't advocate for, but you know, there's a lot of different people out there in the Christian world that I don't you know, affirm all things, but they do good things certain times. So John Eldridge has a prayer, a daily prayer, that has been a powerful tool in my life. And if you're saying, Ben, I, I want this conscious you know, intentionality of yielding, but I don't know what to say and I don't know what to, you know, what to do. Take the prayer when you're leaving here this morning, take it home, and for one week, pray that prayer. Pray it out. And just let the words of, that, that he's written out, and it's very scripture-based, but I'm telling you, that's, you be intentional with your walk in the Spirit. Be intentional with it. 
So, so that's a, it's a great tool resource if you want to use. Number two, be honest about your desires. You got to be honest about your desires, especially your desires of the flesh. So many times we don't want to acknowledge where the pride, where the fear, where the desires are, are popping up because we're like, I don't want to acknowledge them because I'm embarrassed of them. No, listen, you've just got to be honest with yourself and say, if you've got a problem with a desire, a fleshly desire, you've got to be honest with yourself and you've got to be honest with God and you've got to be honest with the people around you and say, this is my issue. Because here's the reality. Everyone else already knows it. You think you can really hide? No, God knows it, and you know it. And most likely, even though you think you're covering up and hiding it, the smell and the odor is coming out of the room. People know it's in there. And so you've got to be honest about the desires you have that the flesh is working. Then number three, get curious about the roots of your desires. See, it's, it's one thing to acknowledge where the flesh is working and the desires of the flesh, but you have to be curious and become a detective and say, where are these coming from and why are they here? Where do they pop up? Where, why, why are these manifesting themselves here and now? Get curious about the issues you have. You gotta follow the string along and find it where the root is because here's what I have found in my own life, here's what I have found in my, as I've counseled people for over 20 years, is that chances are the desire of your flesh that's driving you, that's leading you to sin, that's leading you to addiction, there's something that God wants, there's a desire that God wants to redeem. And there's something in your past you're saying, there's something really good that I want, but I want to this fulfilled in my own way. And, and you're not willing to yield control of the Holy Spirit to say, I will take that desire. If you give me that desire, what you really want, I can fulfill that in the perfect way. But you got to trust me. you got to get curious about where these desires are coming from. Number four, pray scripture over any and every fleshly desire. So man, listen, if your issue is fear, you know, one of the things as I've, as I've, Walked with the Spirit. One of the things I've done is I, I write, I look up and find as many scriptures on fear that I can possibly write. I fill up a notepad and I just start praying those prayers every single day, every single day. And I get so familiar with them so that even when I'm walking now, I don't need the prayers. I can just start praying, praying, praying. I pray scripture. I start praying my day. I pray over those things so that my mind and my heart, and my soul and my will are aligned with the Spirit, and so that when something comes in from the flesh, I can catch it and say, no, 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 I know where that's coming from. I know what that is. I'm not letting that in my life today. And then number five, keep applying the power of God. Keep applying the power of God. Keep applying prayer. Keep applying the scriptures. Keep applying the, the resurrection. Keep applying the blood of Jesus Christ. You just keep applying the power of God, and I promise you, the strongholds of the enemy will fall in your life. Amen? I, listen, I'm just telling you right now, I would not be able to preach this sermon today if I did not believe this sermon today. I've experienced the power of God in my life and it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with who I am or what I've been able to, or, or my, I've got some, like I'm some Jedi who's got access to the, to the force and you're just common people who don't know the force. Like that's not pastors and people. 
We're all regular people that are at the foot of the cross, equally sinners, that we have, that we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of the power of God. And don't, don't let the lies of Satan make you believe that, that certain people are more in touch with the Spirit than you. That, that person is more spiritual than you are. I just, that's just not me. No, listen. The Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you that is that dynamic and supernatural. He is the empowering presence in God's life, and he wants to change you because he loves you. Will you let him control? Will you let him in? Will you let, give him the keys and say, Spirit, let's go on a walk. You lead me today, and I'm ready to follow.